incredible sport. And when you're watching the game today, I want you to realize that sports, if you look deep enough, can be a muscle for life. If you grew up as I did, obsessed with sports as a kid, you start to realize that it's not about the ball. It has nothing to do with the ball. I guarantee you, the coaches on both sides of the line and Super Bowl, they barely even see the ball. It's about the strategy. It's about the ideas. You learn how a game works, the inner workings of a game, you can become good at it. When you're watching the game today and you get to the second half, I want you to look for a few things. I want you to look for the lessons in life. Because understand something. In the game of athletics, the men on the field in the Super Bowl are professional They've achieved a level of status in their lives that is probably one in a hundred thousand. To get to where they are, to be sitting on a Super Bowl, they do things that are at least conceptually right. Now, for them, it's football, the Seder. But remember, if you're watching people of excellence, it leaves clues for how, for me and you, to, we, to be excellent in our lives. I want to give you three things to think about during the second half. And you'll see that if you see it in front of you, maybe we'll take away from the Super Bowl lessons for life. Number one, the only reason why the Super Bowl is important is because of its challenge. Winning a Super Bowl is only valuable because it took an enormous amount to get there. If this game would be in the backyard of somebody's house with the same people, it wouldn't be that chashiv. The chashivas that's being given to the game, the importance in the game is because it's after preseason. It's after the draft, to the preseason, to the season, to the playoffs. It's after getting hit a million times. It's after going to the gym a million times. It's after going to the film room a million times. It's after going and practicing and practicing. It's after going against the best possible team on the other side of the conference. It's after playing in front of people in front of you and millions of people watching every catch could potentially destroy your life every every miss every catch the reason why this is even important is because of its challenge because the greater the challenge the greater the reward many times in life we shy away from challenge we don't want to have the conversation with somebody. It's too hard. We don't want to take the higher class. It's too difficult. We don't want to push ourselves in our spirituality because it's weird. I, I don't want comfortable. I think I know Hashem. I don't want to push myself to new levels. Our careers, our relationships, our spirituality, our religion, we're very comfortable where we are. And as soon as we go out of our comfort zone, we're like, nah. You can't hold up a trophy in life. If you're not willing to be uncomfortable, you can't win the Super Bowl for your life if you're not willing to do things that are challenging, in which you could potentially fall and fail. Every great organization was started by someone with an idea that could have failed and probably did fail a million times. Each and every one of us has the ability to become professionals in our lives, but it will not happen if we're not willing to go through the challenge of loss, the challenge of pain, the challenge of failure. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable to touch greatness. Watch the players and their ability 
to stare at challenge and continue on. That's why you're a head coach, because you can make the tough play call when it's fourth and inches. That's why you're the quarterback, because you're able to keep your head down the field, even though the pocket is collapsing around you and you may get buried under the body of a 300 pound man. That's why it's it's great, because you because the wide receiver needs to run the route and extend for the ball, knowing that there could be a safety driving into his back. The only way you can achieve greatness is if you're willing to stare down the challenge, number one. Number two, I want you to watch the players closely. Watch the coach closely. What you will see is that they live one play at a time. They never call plays in 20 minutes from now. They call one play at a time because they don't know what the play is going to happen. They don't know what's going to do. You can call a, a one yard run and it may, the hole may break open for a 25 yard game. You may call an easy slant play, but the safety reads it perfectly and picks it off. Now it's a pick six. You may call a 35-yard field goal, but the wind picks up just the wrong time and it slides and it goes wide left. Don't know. You can't live past one play at a time. That's life. We think we know the future. We don't. This is called in psychology the illusion of validity. We can't predict the future. That's God's business. You know where we live? Right now. You talk to somebody... All you are is in front of that person. When you're working, when you're in school, when you're davening, when you're learning, whatever you're doing, you can't be a pro if you're already playing out five plays in the future. Hayom, Rabbi Nachman says, God says, just be good today. David HaMelech, ze hayom asa Hashem nagilav in We say in Tefillah HaMechadesh b'chol yom. Hashem changes the world each day. If you want to be great, one play at a time. Wherever you are right now, be here. Tonight, be there. Tomorrow, one play at a time. Last last idea. You ever notice something amazing? Watch this. You're watching the game. The quarterback drops back to pass and throws a pick. What happens the next set of downs? He keeps on throwing. Do you know why? Because failure is part of the play. That's how life works. The minute you make failure being I'm a failure, you can't continue the game. Wide receiver drops an open pass, they'll still throw to him. Because if you allow your failures to define you, you're never going to be able to continue playing. If you play hard, and you play now, and you keep on playing even if you fail, that's, in my humble opinion, some, some of the ideas for how to exist at a professional level. My bracha is that we don't just watch the game, we learn from the game. And we realize that Hashem put us in our own personal Super Bowls, and He's given us the tools that it takes for us to raise the Lombardi Trophy. And if we use some of the insights of the great athletes, maybe we ourselves can live greater, 
better, more fulfilling lives with Hashem and in our lives. May it come, may we do it, till one day we get to see the ultimate Super Bowl, which is the Gu'ul Shleim may come soon in our days. I heard a really great line once from a person whose name almost sounds like truth itself, Emmett. Emmett Smith, played for the Dallas Cowboys, was quite a successful football player. And he said the following, all men are created equal. Just some work harder in the preseason. Do you understand what that means? The ability and the talents. There's some people that are born with pretty amazing talents and abilities. But there are others that work like crazy to make sure they're going to accomplish. The Havdil billion of dollars I once heard. What's the difference between us and Rav Chaim Kanievsky? I mean, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, the God Ladar, nothing to talk about. But ultimately, if you break it down to the essence, to the core, what's the difference between us and Rav Chaim? The answer is nothing. We're both in the Shama. We're both a Chelukulakami Mal. We both have endless potential to be able to get closer and closer to the Rebbeinu Shalom. The difference is that maybe Rav Chaim sat down and did something with it. Maybe I didn't yet do that. Unbelievable. We can get so high. We can accomplish so much. There's so far we can go. We have to learn. You take a look at these players. Look up how much work they put into it. It's not just, oh yeah, maybe they, they have a certain uh, edge. Maybe they're, they're, they're a certain height, they're a certain strength. And, but you know what? They work like crazy, put in ridiculous amount of time and effort. They really, really try. They really try to succeed. We're also Amelim. At least we see from this, they're definitely Ratzim. They're running. We see they're being Amel. Are we being Amel? Are we being Amel and are we Ratzim? Are we running the same one that they're running? Do we put in the amount of work that, that we, that, do we put it even close to the amount of work that they're putting into in terms of our Avodah Hashem, getting closer and closer to Rebona Shalom? My friends, it's taking the opportunities. Every moment that they have, they go ahead and they take to make sure that they're strengthening themselves, conditioning themselves to be able to overcome, to be able to beat whatever challenge steps in front of them. Whatever they, whatever, nothing can stop them. Nothing can stop them. Are we living a life where nothing can stop us? That's the question. So I want to share with you an idea, a really powerful idea, which is exactly along these lines that we're speaking about right now. And if we really want it, and we can really get it. I'm going to quote you from the Sefer known as Torah Sabayis. Sefer is written by the Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim wrote so many beautiful svarim. The Sefer Torah Sabayis says the following idea. It's found in the seventh chapter in Perak Zion. And he says, I, I'm wondering, he's really, we're all wondering, how come we find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Halo Hashem Yizbarach Yishpia Badoris HaRishonom Riboy Chachmamod? How can we find that the early generations have so much knowledge and so much wisdom? Ukidachsev ki Hashem yitein Chachma, Hashem, like the Pesach says in Mishlei, He gives so much wisdom. V'lomen ismaid ka'is l'gamri. Why is it almost completely and totally been, been, been weakened and, and we have so much less information? Hello, Yada, Shem Lo Siktsar, Lo Tiktsar, Milosis Gamayom. Hashem, you can't give it today. What's going on? Why are we not on the levels of the Doris Rishonim? As we continue down, you read the Doris. Why do they have so much and we have so little? Chuva Ladavar, he says, listen so carefully. This is life changing. I'm going to tell you right now. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu nosin chachma. Hashem gives wisdom, levenei adam, to people, levenei adam lefi erech hachanosom lekabalah, as much as they prepare to receive it. You see, all are created equal. Some just try harder. You understand? How much do we prepare ourselves to receive the Chachma Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to give us? Hashem wants to give it to us. Are we preparing ourselves? Like it says in Tehillim, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Mitzrayim. Open your mouth, widen your mouth. Open, make it wide. Va'amaleu, and I'll fill it up. Va'kavana, you know what the kavana is? Ha'lo Did I not bring you up from Mitzrayim? Kedil akabel acher kachatorah sheimakara chachma. I brought you out of Mitzrayim, and the whole purpose I brought you out is to get the Torah, which is the source of all wisdom. Va'alkein, therefore, ha'chein atzmacha. Prepare yourself. Va'harchev picha, and widen your mouth. Kol ma shebiyachol techa, as much as you're able to. I'll, I'll fill your mouth from honeycombs with the most delicious stuff that's going to come into your mouth. I heard that explained that as much as we open our mouth, that's how much HaKadosh Baruch will fill it up. And what does that mean? How badly do you want it? How much are we preparing and opening ourselves to it? And the Sefer brings in the bottom of here, the Abar Benel, on the Pasuk in Shemos, Hashem give wisdom to all Chacham Lev. What does that mean? We need to prepare ourselves for it. And then the Rebosham is going to be Mashpia, he's going to give to us. Open your mouth. You want wisdom? Your bonus is waiting to give it to us. Just open wide. Hi, oh, you know, I heard about Shlomo Zaman Orbach. Shlomo Zaman, they asked him, how is it that you, that you got to a point, that you got to a level where you got to, that you were you're a manning of Klai so that you, you reached such high levels of, of Limanat Torah. Shlomo Zaman said, it was one thing, Fridays. Fridays. You see, when most people learn, even if they learn the whole week, you're in yeshiva and you're learning, Friday becomes like a mace mitzvah. It's like this dead day that people are busy getting ready for who knows what. We have hours that we could be sitting and learning. We have moments during our day that are open to grab. Do we grab those moments? Do we prepare ourselves for those moments that when they're there, we're going to grab them? As I've heard quoted many a times, we know that one of the questions we're going to be asked when we get upstairs did you set aside times for the study of Torah? But like the Navi explains, the word koveh can not only mean kavata, meaning did you set up, but kavata means did you steal? Did you grab every moment that you have? Did you grab times for the study of Torah? I don't know when you're watching this, whoever's watching this right now, but this is put during the Super Bowl. And if you right now are in the middle of the Super Bowl and you stop to grab this right now, kol kavod. That means we're well on our way of kavata itam Torah, stealing the times and harchav pichav opening our mouth wide to be able to go ahead and grab all the, all the wisdom, all the chachmat that the Rebbe wants to give to us.
We wonder what's going on. Why don't we have it? The answer is the opportunity is there. As much as you open your mouth, that's as much as your bonus home is going to give us. So therefore, my friends, let's quickly review this. Quick scrimmage. Quick, quick scrimmage we had over here. So we saw from the beginning, very simply put, all men are created equal. Just some work harder in the offseason. In the, in the preseason. We're trying really hard. We're building ourselves. We're putting ourselves out there. What's in between us and We're all we have the potential and the ability to be so high, to get so close to your bonus, to understand, to learn this Torah, to understand it, to get his chachma, to get his wisdom. Why don't we have it? The answer is the doors that we showed them were mechanatsm. They, they prepared themselves. They got themselves ready. The Barbanel says, get ourselves ready to be mechanatsm. Open your mouth and I'm going to fill up. Shalom Zalman would take the Fridays, those dead times that no one else was taking. He grabbed the ball and he ran with it. Understand, my friends, this opportunity to be kovei and steal the moments, prepare ourselves. And Be'ez Hashem will be able to get that chachma. All we need to do is prepare and open wide. Since 2006, Chazak has inspired thousands of people via its numerous life-changing programs. From little children to teenagers. From men to women. From yeshiva students to young rabbis. And everyone in between. Chazak touches them all. Educating, inspiring, and guiding thousands throughout the year. One of the fantastic things about Super Bowl is noticing how every single move, every breath, every motion of every player throughout the game is observed, noted, examined, scrutinized, explored, discussed, analyzed. Sometimes for hours, days, weeks. And you all know there were certain moves that are still analyzed and discussed decades later. And when I think of that during the Super Bowl, it reminds me of that fantastic medrash in Rus. Speaking about three personalities in Jewish history, Reuven, Aaron, and Boaz, says the Medrash, if Reuven only knew that the Torah would take note and transcribe the fact that when his brothers all wanted to murder Yosef, he said, no, let's throw him into one of the pits. Let's not kill him. Let's throw him into one of the cisterns. And his intention was he's going to go retrieve him and bring him back to his father. If he only would have known that the Torah would have recorded those thoughts, those words of his, says the Medrash, he would have taken Yosef, placed him on his shoulders, and walked back with him to Hebron to return him to his father. Had Aaron only known that the Torah would take note of the fact that he came to greet Moshe Rabbeinu when Moshe came to Egypt as a leader of the Jewish people and instead of being jealous and envious and resentful, he rejoiced in Moshe's new position. He kissed him, he embraced him. If he would have only known 
that the Torah makes note of the story? He wouldn't have just come out to greet Moshe. He would have come out with tambourines and drums. He would have had a whole symphony, a whole concerto coming out to welcome his brother. If Boyaz would have only known that the Tanakh, the Sefer of Rus, would record that he saw an impoverished, homeless, Moabite convert, and he gave her grain. If he would know that the Tanakh would record that act for immortality, he wouldn't have given her grain. He would have given her the greatest delicacies, the most exquisite food. But none of them knew that their gestures would be recorded in the Torah. Now friends, when you read this Medrash superficially, it seems like the Medrash is saying everybody needs PR. Oscar Wilde said, the greatest feeling in the world is to do something anonymously, but then somebody finds out. If Reuven and Aaron and Boaz would have known that you and I would know what they did, ah, they would have done it much better. Is that really what the Medrash is saying? They simply were craving for attention and publicity. Like if I know I'm doing a favor to somebody, but it's going to be recorded on video, and it's going to be analyzed and scrutinized like the Super Bowl, and it's going to be on all the websites and all the WhatsApps, then I'll do it with much more passion. Said the Chidushi Harim, the first Gary Rebbe, he said, no, it's an erroneous understanding of the Medrash. The Medrash is saying something much deeper and much more sophisticated. Had these three persons only know that God took note of their gestures and decided to record them into his eternal and timeless blueprint for life, that God noted and internalized their actions and decided to enshrine them for all of eternity into the Torah as a roadmap for the Jewish people and for the world for, and for the world for all times. Had they only known the significance, the magnitude, the extraordinary power and potency of their acts, they would have done it with a different passion, with a different zest with so much more oomph and gusto, if Reuven would have only known that God was watching and would put it into the Torah. Reuven thought he's just being a nice guy. He's saving his brother from death. Aaron thought he's being a good brother. And Boaz thought he's being a good, nice man, feeding a hungry convert. That's all they saw in their actions. Had they known that the master of the world, the source of infinity, the one who created everything and transcends everything, takes note of this little action, absorbs it, speaks about it, and decides to transcribe it as a guide for all of humanity for eternity. They would have seen themselves and their actions in a different light. They would have done it in a different way. They could have not known, but we do know. We, living thousands of years later, we do know that you think every move of the players in Super Bowl is recorded? It's recorded by the video cameras. It's recorded by the news networks. 
It's recorded by the fans. But every single one of your acts and words and thoughts is noted, observed, celebrated by the author of reality. Tanya says in 41, Vihine Hashem Nitzavalov, Umaloi Chalaritz Kvaidayo Mabitalov, Uvoichin Kloyas Valevim Oivde Karayu. The Rebbeinu Shalaylam stands over each and every one of us, waiting for our next move, cheering us on, saying, Yes, I can't wait to see your next thought, your next word, your next action. I know. How powerful it is when we realize that every gesture, every thought, word, and action is noted by Hashem and is internalized for eternity and has an impact on the past, present, and future. Then we will never look at ourselves and our lives as mediocre. We will understand the potency and the passion with which we should invest every word, thought, and action because it can change the world. In a split second, I'm wondering, is this really happening? One of my all-time favorite quotes is, who you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. How we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves, every day, how we treat other people is what inspires everybody else to emulate us. It's not what we say, it's not what we think. Shlemy Dax's story reminds me of that quote. In 1996, Shlemy was getting ready to release his debut album, One Day at a Time. One day I find in my mailbox a cassette tape with 25 songs from a composer Yisrael Barachav. I begin listening to the songs, suddenly Hamalach Hagoel comes up in the middle of the cassette. And instantly, I say, this is my song. I was drawn to it immediately. So I began to listen to it several times. And then went to my mentor, Shia Mendelowitz, big producer in the Jewish music business, and said, Shia, I need you to hear this song. I'm working on a debut album. I need to know your opinion. He listens to it with me. I'm so excited. And then he says, Shlaimi, I don't think you should use these words. A.B. already has the classic Hamalach. Hamalach it's going to get lost. The tune is beautiful. Let's come up with other lyrics. Find another Pasuk. And I was so torn. She is telling me to do it. I feel the song. And at the end, I went with it. I recorded the song with the words Hamalach HaGoel. And the rest is history. That became Shlemy Dax's signature song. He was invited to weddings, to bar mitzvahs, to concerts, and they always asked him, could you sing Hamalach? 
A few months later, after the album was released, he's invited to sing at this NCSY Shabbaton Matzah Shabbos concert. There are hundreds of teenagers at that concert. Shlemy Dax walks in. The ruach, the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm was electrifying. I began singing the concert, one song after the other, and then came my signature song, Hamalach. And Shlemy is pouring every bit of his being into it, and he's singing it with all of his heart. And there's one yachad child in the front of the stage trying to get my attention. And I see he wants to come up on stage. They bring up the boy, and on stage, as he's about to transition into the high part. He hands the microphone to this boy and asks him to sing the high part. Horror of horrors. He began to sing the classic A.B. Rottenberg Hamalach. This was Dax's moment. This was the highlight. This was the climax. This was the grand finale. And he ruined it all. I started to remember what Shia Mendlowitz had told me when I bought the song. Don't use those words. The classic Hamalach is too famous, is too good. And here I am on a big stage at the huge NCSY Shabbaton concert. And lo and behold, he went into AB's Hamalach. Immediately, I motioned to the band. They switched the song, and this child went on to sing the rest of the song, the AB Hamalach. It almost looked like this was planned because the beat is pretty much the same. And they ended up finishing off the night with A.B. Rattenberg's Hamalach. Three months later, out of the blue, I get a call from Rabbi Chaim Wielgis, legendary mechanic. He says, Shlaimi, I have an incredible story to tell you. Just yesterday, I was at this fair that NCSY put up for all the teenagers, and I was looking around at the different boys running from ride to ride, and I noticed that one of the teenagers had long hair, looked completely secular, no yarmulke, but he had tzitzis that was flying out of his t-shirt. And as he was running, the tzitzis were in the air, you know, flopping back and forth. And I couldn't believe how could a boy without a yarmulke, long hair, not religious, completely unaffiliated, why would he be wearing tzitzis? So I approached Rabbi Jesse Horn, who is one of the Russian Masifta today at Yeshiva Rakotel. But back then he was working for NCSY. And I said to him, tell me a little bit about that boy. So Rabbi Jesse Orton said, you know, a couple of months ago, we were at the Shlomi Dax concert. It turns out that this boy was getting turned on to Jewish music and was so excited about the concert and asked Rabbi Horn if he could go backstage and watch the concert from the back. So Rabbi Horn said, sure. This boy saw me switch the two songs and how seamlessly I went from one into the other without embarrassing this boy. After the concert was over, he immediately ran to Rabbi Horn, his advisor, and said, Rabbi Horn, Rabbi Horn, did you see what happened? No, tell me what happened. Shlomi Dax was singing his Hamalach, and this boy sang the other one, and in an instant, he changed the song, and this boy did not even realize. This boy was not embarrassed. This boy did not have to feel uncomfortable. I am blown away. I want to do something special 
for what I just saw. And Rabbi Horn came up with the idea, why don't you wear tzitzis? It's an easy mitzvah. You can wear it under your shirt. It's not expensive. And you could take on that mitzvah because of what you saw and how you were amazed. David HaMelech in Tehillim says, Ashira Lashem Bechayai, simply understood, I will sing to Hashem throughout my life. I believe it has a much deeper meaning. Ashir Lashem, he doesn't say I'll sing to Hashem Bekoli with my voice. He doesn't say I'll sing to Hashem Bikinori with my harp or violin. He says Ashir Lashem Bechayai, I'll sing to God with my life, with the way I live my life, with the choices I make, because those choices are the musical notes. The ups and downs of my life, those are the highs and lows of that song. And the way we treat other people, that's the harmony of the song. The truth is, we are all on the stage of life. And all of us are performing. We have an audience. Our family members, our neighbors, our community, they're all watching us. The way we conduct ourselves, they're watching how we treat other people. And they're watching in the moments when we think nobody is watching. That's ultimately what inspires others to want to emulate us and to want to sing along. Once we internalize that, that we'll be able to sing the Misham Nashir Shir Chadash, a song that the world has never heard before, a brand new song. Beviyas Mashiach Tzidkeinu, Bimheira Amen Amen.